Hello Waterloo Road fans, it's Tom here, your podcast host, just popping in before we get started to tell you about our Patreon page. Patreon is of course a subscription service where you can get loads of extra stuff from us, including our reviews of other school-based shows like Ackley Bridge and Phoenix Rise, extended versions of all of our interview specials, the Waterloo Road Awards for each series, um, our Waterloo Road fan fiction is all there as well, loads of great stuff which is available to you at patreon.com slash Pod. And I would like to thank those of you who have already subscribed to the Patreon. So thank you to Caroline Campster, to Matthew, to Rebecca Grimshaw, to Bryn, to Eve, to Tom Percival, to Helen, to Natalie, who is at Natalie the Book Reader on Instagram. Thank you to Charlotte, to Daniel, to Joe Buckle, to Eliza, who is on Instagram at WaterlooXRoad underscore. Thank you to Sarah Mython, to Laura A, to Avid Collector to Kat, to Summer D, to Lou Parsons, to Erin, to Peter, to Lottie Smith, to Maddie. Thank you to Hannah Louise, who would like to shout out NHS Mental Health Services. Thank you to Aya, to Ollie C, to Emmy, to Laura, to Alicia, to Mel, to Matthew Kumar. And finally, thank you to Helen, who is at red.head.red on Instagram. Thank you once again to all of you for your continued support. We both really appreciate it. And if you listening now would love to join that list of shout outs, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Waterloo Road pod. And now without any further ado, let's get on with this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. I am Tom Beasley, your Waterloo Road superfan, joined as ever by Luke Stevenson. And in a very 2020 touch, we're doing it on Zoom. We are. We are. I felt I'm on the other side of a cold and I thought I'd spare you my germs until I see you later in the weekend. And I think that's yeah. very I mean, you're literally sick. Literally seeing me in 48 hours time. Yeah, I know. But by then, like I said, I'm on the other side of it. By then, I'll be fine. I'll be doing marathons. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have run to your house from, I don't know, Tower Bridge. What's funny, though, is in the years since either of us used Zoom, we've both forgotten how to light ourselves. Yes. Because you, well, you look like you're um, speaking on a news program about a controversial topic and have been anonymized. Yeah. And I am hilariously overexposed. <laughs> very much so I, I kind of feel like i'm in the beginning of a waterloo road horror intro yes yes <laughs> yeah you've um, even got a sort of flickering light effect going on so it's been pull back pull back the curtain it's been a month since we last recorded an episode yes i went on holiday yes and then did, um, you know human being things i did human being things i sent you a very charming and funny voice note that i said you could put on the on the on the podcast um and i don't think you even listened to it because it was a voice note that's it i just if, if it's a voice note i will go oh i'll listen to that later and then simply won't tom tom who has made more attempts than any man on god's green earth to uh monetize speaking out loud will not listen to <laughs> someone who speaks out loud to him yeah that's it yeah essentially it. the rub of the voice note if tom goes back and finds it is that i um went for a hike while i was in spain um the spanish have a very different view on um how well to instruct paths um so 
it was essentially some person at some point in time had gone away and painted blue lines on mountains and said follow this and i followed a line that was actually later transpired to be an x as if to say don't go this way don't go this way. so i was um <laughs> on my hands and knees scrabbling to get up this thing going this can't be the route up and i made peace with the idea that i was going to die um <laughs> i looked at the fall down and went could i could i wear could i wear it could i hit the ground and wear it but in my, uh, at that point, I was listening to our podcast and all I could hear was you talking about injectable tanning um, products. And I was like, if I'm going to be found in a ditch on a mountain in Spain, I am not going to be found listening to this. So I um, did the honourable thing and scrabbled back down on my ass. Yeah, very, very honourable. Um, I would like to say something really sincere, which is that in the month since we last recorded an episode... We have received a frankly humbling number of emails. Really? Like, you know, we, we sort of jest about our listeners and all of that sort of stuff. But I, I haven't counted, but I think we've got about a dozen emails in the oh. what, three or four weeks since we last talked. Oh, this is going to be it's, a bumper episode then. It's pretty great. <laughs> well, I'm going to do three now because one of them is very short. Right. Okay. Um, so the, the first one is from Helen. Hi, Helen. Um, this email genuinely sent on the 2nd of August. <laughs> so by the time we're recording this, it's a month. It's probably more like two months by the time you're hearing it. <laughs> Helen says, Hi both. I was a Waterloo Road super fan growing up. So when my sister made me start listening to the podcast, thank you, Helen's sister. Mm -hmm. um, I made knew this would me. become... Made me. But apparently <laughs> there was some coercion involved. <laughs> Um, I knew this would become my new favourite pod. Listening and re-watching as an adult has made me reconsider everything I thought I knew about the show, because as a teen, I really thought that Cheska and Jonah should be together, whereas now I realise she's simply a nonce. <laughs> That's if I, if I could go to the, my grave knowing one thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's that it's that we convince them of that, but that's how they get you. That's why that plot line, like I know it was just a stupid plot in a show, but like that's how dangerous that was. Is that you know Helen when she was a teenager watched that and went, oh, that's love. That is, yeah, it was. That's just you know, it was it was um it's like a predator's manifesto that chunk. <laughs> it was. Helen continues. I binge watched the series throughout lockdown, but even as a self-confessed superfan, I couldn't make myself watch the Scotland episodes. Now I watch along weekly with the podcast so I can experience the slow decline. I don't know how slow the decline has been. Oh, it was stuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I can experience the slow decline along with the two of you. There are many things that don't make sense about series eight, but most frustrating to me was that Rhiannon, brackets, who has been there all along, um, would 100% know who Bolton was in Rochdale. She's in the same year as Scout, who was in the same year as Denzel, RIP. Yep. Denzel was in year seven when Bolton was in year 12, which means Rhiannon was also at Waterloo Road when Amy accused Bolton of sexually assaulting her, a rumour that wouldn't have been forgotten likely. Yeah, so realistically, when Bolton walks in, much like Helen has just said, Rhiannon should have gone, oh, that's Bolton Smiley, that nonce. Well, much as Rhiannon does spoilers in episode 30 when Kyle Stack walks in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At this point, Helen says, my question is twofold because there's a question. Oh, 
Um, which cast member, brackets, student or teacher, would you have liked to have also been inexplicably taken to Scotland? And which would you have liked to have been left to fend for themselves in Rochdale? Uh, Helen says, I would have brought M for the chaos and left Phoenix since he was basically ignored in series eight anyway. I would have left Tom Clarkson. Oh, controversial. I think, controversial. I think it was his time. Um. And I would have brought, I would have brought back the Tory. <laughs> I like if, how if talk... even even in this scenario, you're still separating the the love's young dream of Tom and the Tory. Because <laughs> if it's, if a Tory don't go down well in Manchester, let's try him in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I would have liked to have seen in Scotland. I just would have liked to have seen less of Scotland. Mm. Um, I'd like them to have left Barry Barry in Liverpool, if that counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just never brought him. Yeah, maybe like to be fair, it doesn't. I make would have liked. Of... I would have liked to have seen uh, Chris Mead. Yeah, in Scotland. I think. Yeah, or one of Tarek's sisters, because it just feels yes. strange that Tarek went up there by himself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the younger sister, the one who nearly got burned. Yeah. How do you get burned? She... Sorry. Um, <laughs> She should have made it. She's got it, but the fo- football in Scotland isn't as interesting, is it? Could you imagine her talking about Celtic? <laughs> um, Helen finishes. P.S. I can't remember about the Rochdale school, but in Scotland, the big stained glass window into the hall has the school motto on. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Connor and Imogen have one of their many arguments about being secretly engaged with a giant sign saying "Ex nihilo omnia" in the background. There you go. They just say the it out motto. loud, though. Don't say I, it out loud. Helen says, I lovingly refer to the podcast as Epirode, but to be fair to Tom, everything from nothing is there in every episode in Scotland. Helen just became my new favourite listener. Do you hear that, Martha? Do you hear that? <laughs> Poke some holes in it. Don't hit the listeners against each other. <laughs> no, no. People, you know, we say it out loud 160 more times than the show does, and that is outrageous. <laughs> Um, the short email, I'm beginning to think I shouldn't even read it. What does it say? So it's from Jesper uh, uh, or Jesper. And okay. it simply says one line. All right, Steve-O, loving the pod, mate. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, 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 the glue holding the format together <laughs> is sat here, quite frankly. <laughs> I tell you, I'm just because he, he does the little jokes. <laughs> Yeah. People watch Pointless for Rich, uh, Richard Osman, not for Alexander Armstrong. <laughs> but look, Richard's gone and Armstrong's still there holding down the fort like a pro. <laughs> yeah. But Rich, Rich, Richard used his platform to go on and become a uh, uh, host of his own multi million bookseller. So who's to know what's to come of me? Yes, and basically all I want to do is to use any platform I get to become a writer of books. So, <laughs> so finally, a third email. Can we, as we enter the fifth hour of the podcast, <laughs> a third email. This is from Emma. Hi, Emma. She says, "Dear Luke and Tom, Series uh, Eight was hey, the f- hey, put my name first. Yeah, all right. Series. <laughs> it's alphabetical. I'll let her off. Um." <laughs> Series 8 was the first series I had watched of Waterloo Road, and I won't lie, I thought it was great. 
to be fair, if you watch Series 8 and go, oh, this is a perfectly passable TV show, you've got some great content ahead of you when you go back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because like if Series you... 8 is your benchmark for good, then blimey. Yeah, it's like starting a Series 8 at Game of Thrones. You go, wow, I've never yeah. seen this much money on a TV show before. This is just yeah. so impressive. Imagine if it was well written. What? <laughs> yeah. So Emma continues. Uh, Lorraine Donegan was my favourite character. When writing this, I'm not sure of your opinions on the Lorraine and Nikki storyline, but I lived for it. The size of the Waterloo Road fandom is just insane, even before the reboot. And it was shocking when there was a decent amount of fan content for Lorraine. Is there? I find it, every now and again, I feel like there's a Twitter account which is just set up to ship Nikki and Lorraine, which is for a plot <laughs> that lasts all of three episodes. Um, Emma continues. I was actually counting down until the podcast started series eight, not even joking. And I was humbled when you guys absolutely destroyed it. <laughs> and with two episodes to go, we shall continue to do so. Um, uh, it made me watch series one. And yeah, you guys were right. Series eight is so bad, but it's campy. When you started series eight, you guys joked about someone who was waiting for them. Someone about someone who was waiting for. Oh, the glue that holds it all together. <laughs> When you started Series 8, you guys joked about someone who was waiting for the move to Scotland, and I felt very called out. <laughs> it's really fun to go listen to the older podcasts and discover the origins of some of your jokes. There are definitely jokes that I cannot remember the origin to. Oh, no. No, we just say it out of habit now. <laughs> um, my favourite part of the podcast is me really liking an episode and then hearing you in mutual agreement say, well, that wasn't a good episode, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Emma continues, I might actually watch Series 9, since sadly I actually get excited when the podcast notification comes through. That's not sad. That's not sad. I'm that. on the podcast and I live for my Friday mornings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll often, um, when it I... gets really sad, I'm, and, and I'm messaging Tom saying that part of the podcast today, I laughed really hard at it while I was walking <laughs> around. <laughs> more than once that has happened more than once i live in i live in fear of one day laughing at a podcast and someone in the street nicely saying oh what are you listening to and then i have to explain <laughs> it's myself talking about a tv show from the noughties <laughs> oh um emma continues i just thought i'd send an email since i saw this edit of rachel mason's i was 17 and things were bad at home spliced <laughs> with that billy eilish song from the barbie movie oh my god um, she concludes, hope you both have a great day. Thank you very much, Emma. Oh, thank you, Emma. I hope you do too. I hope you watch better TV. There's a whole world out there. And thank you for acknowledging me, the person, the glue, who holds the format together. Uh, second. Speaking of holding formats together, shall we talk about Waterloo Road? Oh, do we have to? We do, I'm afraid. We I do. genuinely, after a month away and, you know, feeling worse for wear, I opened <laughs> it on on uh, iPlayer I saw the preview image I remembered what we were about to do and I went nah <laughs> not for me this was a challenge um so this episode is called Dirty Laundry we talked about the introduction of uh, Angus Deaton from Have I Got News For You and yeah. you said oh it's funny that he came in for just like a one episode cameo and I laughed at the idea that it was a one episode cameo <laughs> and here he is in the head turns <laughs> immediately in the head turns <laughs> I can imagine the fans watching it just going, oh. <laughs> um, so the episode begins with Kevin and Dynasty. Kevin is not very keen about the fact they are going on the Julian Noble show. Um, he says it will be embarrassing, and he is correct. Yep, yep. He is the only person to be any sense. Yet he still goes on it. 
Yeah. He could just just say just stay at home. He seems to he seems to think like on the one hand he thinks it's embarrassing, but on the other hand he thinks it's just going to be a fair contest basically between her and her mum and that he's yeah. not going to be brought into it at all. No, no. Yeah, it's um for a smart kid. He's not that smart. Smart. No. Um I don't I don't believe for a, for a minute that adult chalky isn't like, you know, on his weekend trips that we hear he has, he's come up and he said, what are you doing this week, Kev? He goes, I'm going on this uh, TV show so we can air our dirty laundry. I cannot believe that he didn't say, don't do that. <laughs> Maybe he hasn't told him. I like to imagine Chalky with his morning coffee one day going, I'll just settle in and watch the first five minutes of the Julian Noble show. <laughs> it's um very... um there's... Chalky is one of many people I am surprised do not intervene before the show goes on air. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very much so. Very much so. Um, are Connor and Christine still living at Michael's house? I have no idea because there's boxes. There's like there's boxes that suggest that they've moved, but I thought he moved into their house when they moved. No, they moved together. into his, didn't they? They moved into his because it was all I can't have Connor and uh, Imogen shagging under my roof. No, because I that... thought he moved. He moved into their house and then put a stop to the shagging. <laughs> that is that would have been even for Michael. That's a power move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to go. Thank you for letting me stay in your house. You too. No, that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two I, feet I, apart, I thought it was please. his house. No, I think for it was theirs. But that's why I was confused why there were so many boxes. Like, have they moved? Maybe they moved back to their house. Maybe. Yeah. Um, who knows? I like who, how um, uh, Dynasty is uh giving kevin um like style tips and she goes black skinny shirt bit of product and i was like yeah yeah sounds good sounds <laughs> like it works and i was like can, I, can you give me some notes um barry barry never barry has seen a business opportunity he is charging kids to basically minibus them to be in the audience there's uh, he's not charging them enough for the rental fee of the minibus He's got no. 25 kids. It's three quid a pop, so it's 75 quid. A minibus for a day, a return trip, is going to cost a couple of hundred. I don't believe, also, that this TV show would allocate the participants 25 tickets. Well, when they let every person who says anything come onto the stage. Well, that's what I mean. There are probably, I don't know, 100 people in that audience, maybe. Yeah. And for a quarter, so if you assume, you know, a quarter of them have been given over to our participants. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, you know, footballers get given less tickets to give out to family. Well, quite, yeah. Can you imagine if you went to a football match and a quarter of the stadium was like <laughs> Bukayo Saka's family? Or... <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a very empty part of the stadium. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> just a, exactly. Just a couple of siblings and a pair, a couple of parents. Well, yeah, like... Exactly. George Windsor is now permanent staff. He is going to introduce uh, Mandarin lessons. It's like two school. weeks away from the end of term. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's and a line. It, there's a line where Christine says to Nikki, oh, we need to uh, accommodate in the timetable, you know, some like perennials, some things that have to be included now that we're like council run. But the yeah. council are like, yeah, be the only school teaching Mandarin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The council didn't want Michael to run things because he was too rogue. In week one, <laughs> Chrissy brings in this strange man <laughs> and says, yeah, teach the kids Mandarin. 
Um, one of my favourite uh, pastimes for spotting errors in the show is to look at the staff room brew list. Okay. Um, George has already been added. He's like fourth or fifth down the brew list. Oh, but he feels like a man who'd come in and be like, look, here's how I like things. <laughs> I need to be added immediately to the brew What list. is his brew on the list? I, I couldn't see what his brew is. Oh. What afraid. do we think his brew is? I feel like George is a very strong black coffee, no no milk, no sugar type. No, thing. I feel like he's the kind of person who says flat white because he thinks it sounds impressive. <laughs> no, I think he'd have contempt for anyone who ordered a flat white. No, I think it was like flat white. But can you like, make sure well, you what's, really... What's wrong with a normal coffee? Can you really steam the milk? No. Oh, <laughs> oh. In that case, an Earl Grey. Yeah. Um, do we remember why Christine and Nikki have tension? <laughs> Um, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. It's, it feels like it's possibly because Nikki, um, was made head for like a day, but she uh, she bottled she like bottled it. She said, "I don't want to do the job." But that's the the mysterious thing about this because in the staff room she says, "Oh, yuck, the job's yours." And then in the immediate next scene, Nikki's like kicking down doors and be like, "Christine, you don't have the stomach for this. You're yeah. useless." And it's just I I don't. They just so yeah. Nikki then tells Christine, she goes, "I'm leaving by the end of term. I don't want to play your power games." What? What? And Christine's like, "What?" <laughs> Christine's like, "I'm literally just trying to run a school." <laughs> Look, yeah. I was surprised by this too, Nikki. <laughs> yeah. Christine's first day on the job, the most the most notable thing that she did is she stamped something down. It then said Michael's name. She goes, "Right, I've ruined a document." That's yeah. that's all she achieved. Um, so um, the the doctors Grantley's doctors want to take him off the ventilator and I don't understand why yes uh, uh, you think it would be good if they explained why a donor was no longer relevant right After because all basically kerfuffle... what we were told when he was first diagnosed was that you are going to deteriorate and you are going to ultimately die if you do not get a donor they found a donor, I think, in the grand scheme of these things, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, within months, if not weeks, they found mm -hmm. a donor. Um, the donor was approved. The donor is ready and waiting. Yeah. Why are we talking about ending life-saving care? It's so bizarre. Yeah, the, o the only thing I could think of in my head is that they'd say he's deteriorated too quickly. He wouldn't survive an operation. So yes. that's why we. But they, but they don't say that. They make a point of Maggie going, but he's not deteriorating, and the doctor goes, "No, he isn't." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they actually make a point of excluding that explanation. Yeah, the major plot line <laughs> in the last four or five weeks has been we have a donor, and at no point have they explained why they haven't done the surgery yet, or, yeah. um, and then when it just turns up and just goes, "Yeah, yeah, we're going to need to kill him off." Um. At, so at the Julian Noble show, no. I thought it was just called the Julian Noble Show, but it's actually called Noble Thoughts, which is a <laughs> terrible name for a TV show. Yeah, it's not not good, not good thoughts. Um, no. the man the man doing a Jeremy Carlin impression is quite good though. I think he's very good. I think there are a few really nicely observed things, like the way the way that. Um, he repeats the phrase "I'm not here to judge" over and over, <laughs> and the way it's written that the, the all of the Barrys who are about to go on it 
say he's not here to judge, as if mm-hmm. that's really been drummed into them and they believe it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's very nicely done. And I like the way he sits um, on the stage with his like, leg yes. out, all casual. It's just... Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so Imogen's mom turns up at the school and there's a and she says, I'm I'm taking Imogen out of the school. I'm enrolling her in Havelock. And there's a bit where she just goes, relax, have a drink, start a fire, whatever you like. <laughs> Which is like, I think was a good line. Yeah, yeah. Because people have allowed those two to get away with that far too easily. <laughs> yeah. Someone like Imogen literally wears scars and is over it. Yeah. So it's good that someone remembers. Yeah. Um, I, so I was going to say, is the show actually, like, the last couple of episodes, why have they not been good? They've been quite funny. Like, intentionally mm. so. I think the, the George character adds a little bit. So, like, I think it's in this scene where Nikki says, you know, um, he's a misogynist. And um, uh, Christine responds with, I'd say, more of a misanthrope. And it's like, I found yes. that just quite, it's just quite funny. Yeah. Like, actual intentional lines of humour. <laughs> the bar is very low. It's it's on the floor. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Mrs. Stewart says I'm taking Imogen to have a lock, and I've told the other parents at the parent council thing to follow suit. And then Christine sort of makes a reference to the fact, you know, whatever we might think about Connor and Imogen, they're obviously very serious about each other. And Mrs. Stewart is like, <gasps> Imogen's still seeing that boy. They're in contact because mm-hmm. they haven't told her. No. And Christine, really, she should have expected this. She she should have done. Yes. She should know them better. Yes. And, you know, she, but she, to be fair, she's been away, um, Imogen's mum, just destroying Pac-Man toys. <laughs> I find it yes. odd that she's kind of on, you know, on the grand scheme of things, um, you know, setting fire to her daughter is worse than what she did. But yes. Christine could respond with, oh, been in 2017 year olds bedrooms recently. Because that's just. Yeah. Yeah. She gets she gets through this whole episode without propositioning a 17 year old. So growth, yeah. I think we can say. Yeah, growth. yeah, definitely. Um, so on the uh, I'm not going to call it Noble Thoughts on the Julian Noble show um, that they're doing this sort of setup for the for the, the story. And the, the, the story's like title on the bottom of the screen is My Daughter's Boyfriend Has Poisoned Her Mind. It's outrageous, this. I know it's just meant like, but no element of this works. It almost feels like it's trying to, to parody Jeremy Kyle, but it doesn't make any sense. Because if you're going to make a little, you know. So in the new series, when they did that episode that was kind of filmed a bit like a true crime documentary. Yes. Um, that at least had a relevant character point that it kind of exposed um, yeah. about uh, New Grantley's wife and everything. This is just, oh, well, let's have a fun poke at the Jeremy Kyle show. A good 10 years too late. Um, <laughs> and in it, it's just going to kind of destroy all of the characters through it. It's just, it, it becomes yeah. a service, a service to lampooning the format over actually doing any character work. Well, it's strange because... It's not even a very good send up of Jeremy Kyle because the the characters keep giving Julian Noble stories to pick up, and he mm-hmm. just doesn't. Yeah, he just lets them all go, and he says he's a terrible Jeremy Kyle. Well, no, but it's one of those things that because if he was a good, you know, one... Jeremy Kyle is a loathsome person, but he was very good at being Jeremy Kyle. Yeah, the whole <laughs> the whole the whole show, and I recommend the Channel Four documentary about it yes, and what kind of brought absolutely. it all down. 
Um, but it's a whole loathsome spectacle. But one thing they did do is they did their research. So they would have, there was no chance that any of these people would have gone on stage and they would have been allowed to make accusations about rapists and mm. um, pole dancing without that coming across in the research. They would have known and they would have gone, no, we can't do this. Or yes, we can. Yeah. So um, it, it starts with Cap Carroll making all these allegations about Kevin that, you know, he's got a personality disorder and he's been driven crazy by being in and out of care. And then Dynasty does the very Jeremy Kylie run in shouting. Um, yeah. And then the first thing that happens is that Dynasty says she tried to sell me into pole dancing, basically. And, and, then, and then she goes, Julian Noble then she's, goes, she's taken out of the context. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the Julian Noble doesn't go any further into this. Yeah, yeah. He just goes, "Oh, that sounds a bit far fetched." And then Carol Barry's big argument seems to be. The reason Kevin has poisoned Dynasty's mind is because Kevin has told Dynasty she might be able to go to university. Yeah, he's given and a that is dream. bad question mark. <laughs> yeah, Carol describes it as uni with air quotes. <laughs> and that's, and yes. then, uh, yeah, Jeremy Carl doesn't bring her up on the fact that she's using air quotes incorrectly. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really bizarre because yeah, that seems to be Carol's big gotcha argument that he wants her to go to uni and get into debt yeah and, and look yeah, just... we've both got university debt i don't think of mine as debt because i'm never gonna pay it off so no mine mine is just since day one always just come straight out of my um salary at source so yeah. it's like Ooh, one someone's day bragging that someone's bragging about their salary <laughs> but no but like someday when it's paid off in whatever means it just means oh that'll be a nice little thing but i don't notice yeah. it well that's it my 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 wife has just finished paying hers off um and it's it's just nice it's just a you know a little bit extra in the paycheck every month <laughs> so the, they bring kevin out and as they're bringing kevin out barry starts a home wrecker chant from the audience the audience um, is too easily led yeah at, at this point you look at you know the, the that's audience because a heard... quarter of them are school children <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the the mum has said the, they, they've been told that the mum tried to sell their daughter into pole dancing and the school is now going yeah yeah uh, Kevin's the enemy yeah ultimately people just like chanting things yeah 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 I think I think there's something in that um so the, the uh, Connor has told his mum what's happening and why everyone's not in in the sixth form so um Christine has sent Audrey into battle. <laughs> <laughs> um but o o audrey basically her big victory is that she's allowed to sit in the audience Quietly. and sort of wag her finger at them when they chant stuff yeah yeah she thinks her presence would um would keep them down um yeah. at this point in when christine's marching orders about this she said to connor you said you'd tell imogen's mum about the wedding how does christine say that out loud and not go i've done so many bad things as a parent yeah, <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. What what would it take? What would it take um, to get you onto a show like the Julia Noble show? Oh, I I simply cannot think of a circumstance in which I would do it because the the, the job of those shows is to make everyone look terrible. Mm -hmm. Like in a very rare occasion, there will be one participant in a story who is like the, the hero of the story and they are selected to be so. And the story yeah. is constructed to pay them off as the hero. But 
unless you're that person, you could only lose. Yeah, I think I need to be like full weekend at Bernie's to be on this to be on a show like this. I need to be dead and someone <laughs> parade me around like a marionette. Yes, but fortunately, we now don't really have these shows. So, yes, that's a win so, for us all and for culture. Well, no, it'll go back. <laughs> it'll do these things and go in circles, don't they? Well, I suppose so. Um, then Julian says, Dynasty's brother, Barry Barry. And the audience just goes, <laughs> And at that point, surely Julian knows this episode is in the mud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if, if this gets to air, it's a miracle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yes, as you say, the crowd all boo Barry Barry. Why? They have no reason to boo him. I know to boo him, but they don't. <laughs> well, the 25 kids do. But the 25 kids paid him to go there. <laughs> but they went there to boo Barry Barry, didn't they, ultimately? Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like if you if you're in like if you're an Everton fan and you're paying your money to go and boo your football team every week, you're still paying <laughs> the money to the football team. You're I not guess a so. Thing. I guess so. Um, so Harley and Rhiannon had overheard Maggie talking about what the doctor said about Grantley. Um, and then they're, they're walking through the school and they see that George is putting his name badge on Grantley's classroom and that the Grantley's copy of the racing post is in a box. Um, and they're very Along with a big this. bottle of alcohol, which surely is a sackable offence. <laughs> Massive bottle of whiskey. <laughs> um but yes, so they then take Grantley's stuff and they run off and they sort of barricade themselves into the cooler um, and they, they they sort of have a cry together in what's quite an emotional scene in amongst all the silliness. Yeah, I still don't understand what they felt they were achieving by picking up his stuff, running into the cooler and locking themselves yeah, in. Yeah, but it's like they try to play a bit of it as a comedy beat where they're like running as if George is going to be running after them, but he's not. Mm -hmm. And I think that's supposed to be a comedy beat, but it doesn't work. Yeah, I kind of feel like they're just kind of, well, it's like that kind of thing, which is like, well, at least they're doing something. They feel like they're doing something. Yeah. They've got power in a situation where they don't actually have any. So Dynasty decides to say on TV that Kevin was a virgin when they got together. Uh, yeah, again, waterboarding wouldn't be enough for me. Absolutely. <laughs> Shoot me in the head. Yeah, at that point, if you're Kevin, you, you stand up and go, yeah, I poisoned her mind. Fine, go. <laughs> anything to end this although to be fair it's a fine line between anything to end this and what 16 year old boy does want to be put on tv with his rather gorgeous girlfriend and have them go <laughs> we've had sex yeah, yeah at that point he should be running through the crowd giving out high fives <laughs> high five, like, yeah, yeah. And the again. crowd are chanting virgin at him can you imagine even on the depths of the jeremy kyle show <laughs> Oh god, it's a fever dream. This makes the act the characters uncomfortable, the audience uncomfortable. I can't decide yeah. whether it's good or not. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um and then how did the Barrys not think in this conversation that Steve O would not come up? Oh, it's, uh, it's the most but ridiculous part. But, but, but he doesn't really. Yeah, they said oh, he, he gave her away to a rapist, and then the, the, Jeremy Kyle just goes, <laughs> okay. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Follow, follow that thread. Oh, it's yeah. It's he just that's yeah, thing, completely unwilling. What... He's so unwilling to pull at any of the really, you know, from that. If you're making a sensationalist TV program, these things are gold. Yeah, the the thing that's just really sad about this is all of this stems from a plotline that we all said was good. Yeah, 
and that is just totally erased so they can have some very strange fever dream episode where at the end they all become friends it doesn't change the fact that dynasty was sexually assaulted by someone and then the barrys went to that person and apologized to him because she quote unquote grasped like that's the story here but they go oh actually it all becomes too clear-cut if that gets introduced into this daytime television show yeah um so back at the school uh christine and nikki are having sort of having a bit of a set too nikki says you don't have the thick skin for leadership uh but christine says oh we need to both put our egos aside i just i don't really know what's happening um but then uh uh, they go and sort out what what George is complaining about, and George doesn't grasp the fact that Rhiannon and Harley's situation is very complex and very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he keeps calling Nikki sexist names, and then Christine sort of lays down the law and says, "You know, you don't do that in my school. You don't do that with these kids. They're very, you know, they're important, and they are in a very difficult situation." Yes. And then this gets Christine to go, "Yeah, I'm going to go and take down the Julian Noble show." Yeah, one misogynist down, or more of a misanthrope, actually. Yeah, um, yes. Um, but back at the Julian Noble show, uh, Julian says, "Oh, Kevin, you seem like a bit of a snob. Uh, how, what's, what's your relationship like with your mother?" And and yeah, Kevin goes, "Oh, I don't know where my mother is." And Julian goes, "She's here tonight. Come on down, <laughs> Kevin. This is your life." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really what mixing would have been it funny. Up, yeah, I would have liked it if the, the mob had run down the stairs like on Price is Right, like screaming and waving her yeah. arms. <laughs> and then, yeah, what ha- what follows is just one of the more ridiculous things. Because, again, if we're going to take in the idea that this show is realistic, the researchers would not have let it get this far, as oh. is proved at the end of the show where they say she was a psychopath. Um, yeah. And... Social workers wouldn't. There would have been a legal duty here. Kids in care, kid, kids subject to these care orders are guaranteed anonymity. Yep. He's only allowed to go on there and say, I'm in care if he yep. wants to. But the, the, yep. that show introduces it and then they bring his mum down. How would they even find out who she is? He doesn't share a last name with her anymore. How have they no. found that out? I don't know. But yes, Daisy says, Kevin is dangerous. It says, and she says, he's always been possessive ever since he was a kid. Social workers always blame the parents. Um, and then, then Daisy says, "Oh, when I met my my second husband, Kevin told lies about him." And surely, at this point, if you're on the Julian Noble show, you go, "Oh, well, I've discovered the ulterior motive here. Kevin didn't like her new fella. That was it." Yeah, Yeah. And it's um, also he was possessive as a kid. He he did all this. He was ten, and then everyone goes, "Hang on a minute." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Kevin Kevin says, "I never even had a bed." And Daisy goes, "That was a perfectly good sofa." And you're like, "Julian, why are you not digging into this?" Yeah, oh God, un- Julian. <laughs> it's unbelievable that for a chunk of time, the show itself is putting Kevin and his mum on equal footing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Daisy says that movie we need to talk about. Kevin could have been written for him. It's oh man, it's the bottom of the barrel stuff. This isn't it. Yeah, um, but yeah, she she accuses Kevin of basically murdering her unborn child, and then yeah, they kicked him out when he was ten. And Carol goes when he was ten. 
Yeah. Carol, for some reason, then becomes a, a model of parenting. Yep. As, and it's only like, oh, there are some lines you just don't cross. And it's just like, oh, oh, okay, let's list any number of your crimes here, Carol. Well, it, it, in fairness, it does match up to Carol Barry's character, because as we've said before, her moral code is incredibly difficult to discern. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all of these crimes, fine. Grassing on a rapist, bad? <laughs> yeah. It is, For, it's, it's difficult. Your gender non-conforming child yeah. into a into a dress and allowing a person to assault them in, yeah. into a gender that they prefer. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. But... Question mark. Um, but then Christine comes in and says, stop the recording. Turn your cameras off. Mm. And then Carol slaps Daisy and says, some people just don't deserve kids. Yeah. Like you. One of the things you've been accused of have been lies. It's ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know how the show got from where this started to where it ends. I don't I know, know why they mad. even do it. I don't care. Um, but then Julian, as you said, has a go at his researcher and says, "Oh, you should have known the mum was like this because obviously they're never going to be able to air this." Yeah. Yeah. Any number of laws have been accused. Have yes. Been broken. Yes. Because at this point as well, I presume because of how, you know, courts move in this country, Steve-O has likely been charged, but I doubt he's been put on trial. Well, quite. Yeah, so there is, there his, is no way. <laughs> did, did he's on TV calling your ex-boyfriend a rapist while the trial is ongoing and while she has a right to... It's basically two things enshrined in law. <laughs> Children have a right to anonymity rape victims have a right to anonymity and this show just goes yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we want to do a jeremy kyle parody <laughs> yeah um so christine needs imogen for the next storyline but she also needs to have a conversation with dynasty and kevin and carol so imogen just sort of has to lurk in the back of shots while yeah. they have a conversation well, it shouldn't, it shouldn't really be that lurking because Dynasty and Imogen are best friends. Well, exactly. So she should be able to join in. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, no. She lurks. Um, but yes, Carol Carol apologises to Kevin. Um, and apparently the uh, trying to sell her into pole dancing and apologising to the mother of a rapist is all fine now. Yeah. yeah. Um, because yeah. Carol's invited them for dinner, so everything's okay. Yeah. But it is fried chicken, so. Yeah. Works. Um, I really actually like the conversation that Maggie then has with Harley and Rhiannon, because the thing I like about it is the conversation is an absolute minefield and the, all of the characters keep tripping on the little on the mines mm -hmm. um, because they're having you know, a very sort of sensitive conversation about whether Grantley's going to survive and what turning the machine off might mean. And I think it's really smartly and cleverly done, actually, that is, the conversation which... is difficult. Yeah, which is very incongruous for this show after what it's just produced. Well, yes. And then when they apparently <laughs> <laughs> emerges like Lazarus at the end of the episode. Yeah. Oh, let's undermine all of this great work we just did, yeah. shall we? Yeah. So uh, Imogen's mum uh, is at the school when everyone gets back, says to Imogen, you can't see this boy. Um, he burned you. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she doesn't even make that point, bizarrely, which she should. Um, 
<laughs> Christine very helpfully points out Imogen is a person. Thank, thank you, Christine. <laughs> um, and then uh, Imogen tells her mum that she is married to Connor. Okay, so you got married at twenty-eight. Yes. Okay, if you'd done that in secret at twenty-eight, how long do you reckon it would take your mum to talk to you? <laughs> Don't know. Probably a long time, I'd say. Yeah. Now imagine you did it at 17. <laughs> and imagine how long it would take your mum to stop hitting you with a bat. Yeah. Well, I'd have Carol Barry to back me up, wouldn't I? Some women don't deserve kids. Yeah. So, um, we have to be serious for a second. Uh, because Maggie has agreed with the doctors that the, the ventilator can be turned off. Um, Tom goes and sits with Grantly and, you know, says, this isn't how you should go, Grantly. You should be swearing and screaming your way out. And he says, we're the only ones left. Wortley Road, as was. And then he says, I'll keep putting your bets on. Sleep well. And I like to think that Grantly's subsequent revival is a result of the fact he's terrified about what bets Tom will put on <laughs> in his stead. Yeah, Tom does not is not a man who understands what good to firm means. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, very much so. And nor nor am I. No, no, nor am I. When when I read it says like good to firm, good in places. Like what what do you mean? <laughs> some, some form of hoof thing. <laughs> it's it's to do with hooves. <laughs> so then, so back at the school, Christine says to to Mrs. Stewart, you know. I wasn't happy about this when I found out, but, you know, I support the two of them now. They can live with me. Um, and then she sort of forms a shaky truce with uh, Imogen's mum. Yeah. And live with me in my, ho- in my house of sex. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so Jack's mum has phoned the school. Oh, I'm um, glad you picked up on this. To, to, to you know, say, I, I'm not happy with you being head or whatever. And then Christine just threatens this parent with the police. Yeah, because, because because Jack missed half a day of school. That's not how the truancy laws work. <laughs> but, no, but what she can threaten her with is that Jack's mum had sex with one of their pupils. It's just like yeah, yeah. What, what Christine should have said is everybody had sex with a seventeen-year-old. Bit embarrassing that. <laughs> Bit embarrassing. Um, embarrassing. There it is. Thank you. Embarrassing. Um, never embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, that's just the thing. It's just you know. Because Imogen's mum has been telling people, oh, you need to disapprove of this because she's she's got some checkered things in her past. And therefore, Jack's mum, who had a video of her having sex with a teenager played in front of the entire school, goes, yeah, I don't like this woman with checkered things in her past. <laughs> I'm going to call up to make a complaint. Um, yes. We then meet George's wife, Princess. Mm-hmm. Um, who is a much younger Chinese woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a bit of chat about how he's worried about money. She's booked an expensive restaurant for them and she's not very good at driving. Yeah. Straight out of an American sitcom, isn't it? That, that joke. It is. It is rather. <laughs> and, and at least and in the American sitcoms that I've watched, they acknowledge that it's a crude and unhelpful stereotype. I don't think we'll be doing that here. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think we do. I, I think. I think we're just going to indulge in the crude stereotypes. That's yeah, what yeah. I think is going to happen. 
Yeah, it's for the for the for some reason a show that was at this point on BBC Three and therefore marketed at teenagers was doing bits exclusively for the seventy year old man at home going. Well, that's yeah. it. It's this and this whole thing is quite distasteful because it, it's all very much framed as we're supposed to go. Oh, what's going on here then? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And then, because, you know, spoilers, this doesn't get referenced next week. So they leave us on a series to go, oh, what's going on there then? Yeah. I doubt people spent their summer wondering what was going on between <laughs> these two characters. Yes, it's like that Sherlock cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, uh, Kevin's gone for dinner at the Barry's. There's, I found the shot of Barry Never Barry walking in with two massive buckets of fried chicken quite funny. I don't know why. Even how how even threatening men can be humbled by a bucket of fried yeah. chicken. Yeah. Um, but then uh, Kevin gets a call because of what's happening with Grantley. Um, and Kevin says, you know, I'm going to move back to the schoolhouse for a while. Um, you're lucky to have your family dynasty. You should go and stay with them. Um, but they say they love each other and that's all resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nikki withdraws her resignation and brings Christina Plant. How many peace offerings are in shows of plants? And the thing is, is like, how many shows have you watched where someone just puts something through your door and you go, the next word they say is going to be peace offering? Yeah. <laughs> or olive branch. Yeah. But then, uh, so Simon Lowesley arrives, who announces that he is the new deputy head, who I'm not clear what happened here, because uh, he says, oh, Michael appointed me before he left. But then they're also talking about the council appointing him. So which was it? <laughs> Yeah, or like Michael signed off on the count. The council said as a result of, but the council also appointed Christine. Yeah, and why would Michael appoint this person, knowing that they're going to be a landmine dropped on Christine? Yeah, it, it's no, very odd. Doesn't make sense. Um, but then he says, perhaps the worst line of dialogue in the history of Waterloo Road when he oh. goes, "Talk about awkward turtle." Yeah, again, so they've just done the casual racism for the seventy-year-olds watching, and they do this bit for the fifteen-year-olds watching. It's awful. Do you remember the, awful. the gesture for an awkward turtle? I guess I do. Re- I recall. Cringe. If Gen um, Z is listening, don't because you'll just think you'll think ill of us. <laughs> Gen, Gen Z thinks very ill of millennials already, <laughs> but crucially, uh, not as ill as millennials think of themselves. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it, it is in many ways our defining characteristic. <laughs> yeah. We'll have the last laugh because we'll get an extra 10 to 15 years of full life on this planet before it begets, becomes a tortured <laughs> volcanic wreck. <laughs> yeah. After the resource wars are over, <laughs> we'll be too old to fight in them. The Gen Zers will be there on the front line. So there you go. Have that. Um, so at the hospital, um, they turn off Grantley's machine and then the doctor's like, <laughs> he's breathing on his own. It's so stupid. It is stupid. Why? Why even do it? I Just don't... have him wake up. I guess you know it's one of those things. Because, where they... Right. There's also there's a world of difference between him just about being able to breathe on his own, and next week when he's like talking and he's up and about and he's having a great time. Yeah. No, and then there's also there's no um, there's no pushback on the fact that uh, Maggie literally pulled the plug on him. <laughs> so he's he's like, going, okay, so you had the donor, and I was <laughs> still breathing, and you still pulled the plug on me. Yeah, um, that's the end of the episode. Terrible, wasn't it? 
Yeah, none of this none of this is good, Tom. Like, really bad. Like, after a month of not watching the show, to be brought in with this episode was oh my god. Oh. It it's a particularly bad episode. Yeah, there's no no redeeming qualities in this anymore. No, not really. There's like the little scenes with, with um Harley and Rhiannon and Maggie that were fine. In fact, quite yeah. good, some of them. They felt but quite good, and the then they moment... went nowhere and meant nothing. Well, that's it. But yeah, because they do the stupid ending where Grantley is some sort of cyborg. <laughs> oh, it's awful. What a, what a bad episode. But it's fine, because in the next time trailer, we get George Sampson. Oh. George Sampson, the angel of death. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, there's some stuff about the kidney transplant. There's some stuff about Simon Lowsley coming into the school. Um, there's lots of Kyle stuff. There's Barry never Barry having a little face off with Kyle. And then there's some stuff about Tom having second thoughts about the kidney transplant. But yeah, so that's that's the next time trailer. I just this episode was just so poor. It's it's bad. And the worst thing about it, I haven't got any music down. Oh, so we had to pick one. No, we don't. Why? What are you gonna do instead? There was one right near the beginning that I just didn't Shazam at the time, but will Shazam now. Oh, uh. <clears throat> I've been trying to, I had, it was a proper, I don't know what diagnosis I should give myself, but I kept myself up until like one in the morning the other night, trying to hunt down a song that I vaguely remember from, I think, 2012 or 13. Uh-huh. How did that go? Well, to be fair, last time you tried to do this, we did it on the podcast and we found the song. Did we? Yeah, because it was it was that Annie Lennox one. Oh yeah, but I knew I knew that was a real song. This one now <laughs> I've been hunting I've been hunting for for such a long time. I'm starting to believe it never happened. So, well, what information do you have? Maybe the listeners can identify it. So it's like a slightly older guy group. It was um, I remember going to the gym in Bournemouth on the seafront. Yes, and it used to come on in and around the time when. Um, Rita Ora was quite big for R.I.P. Because I used to uh-huh. see the video in there. And it used to be five guys on the, on the beach. It was a little bit jazzy. But I keep searching what I think of the lyrics. And I'm notoriously bad with lyrics. So <laughs> it just, I just keep typing them in and getting nothing. I've gone through the official charts throughout the summers of that year. And I can't find it. What, what do you think some of the lyrics are? I'm not going to do it here. <laughs> in my head... The, cor- the chorus builds to all of them saying to say how I feel uh-huh. or show how I feel. But every time I've searched for it, it's got me nowhere. Okay. Well, if, if, if anyone listening can identify that song based on the very meager information Luke has oh. provided. I, would, then... I don't know what I would offer the person who does that because that song has been in my head <laughs> for years. I'm almost certain I had it on my old iPod classic, but I don't know where that is. So I could find it. I could hunt it so down. So if anyone has Luke's old iPod classic... <laughs> I will listen to every single song on it. <laughs> or if they were in a particular gym in Bournemouth. <laughs> in, in maybe the summer of 2012 or 13. I'm not it was quite sure. Sandwich next to Rita Ora on the music channel playlist at the time. There you go. A bona fide mystery. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>